Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing today? You guys doing good? So good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. We are in a series we're calling Amazing Grace, and we've been talking about what we said in the video, that multifaceted diamond we call grace. Who knew there were so many different aspects to grace uh, before this series, huh? Uh, and we're only covering, we're just scratching the surface of the power of God's grace in our lives, but we're wrapping up today. We're, we've talked about being rescued by grace. We've, been to, we've talked about being restored by grace. We've talked about if grace is so amazing, why do I still feel guilty? And some of you need to go back and get that message. You can go to info at bridgechurch.cc and, and pick up on that. I, I heard a story just this past week uh, from one of our owners who was away on a work-related weekend watching the service online. A co-worker from another state came in and watched the service, and she had a chance to minister grace to her and describe to her the difference between condemnation and conviction. And she rededicated her life to the Lord right there in a hotel room, uh, <laughs> having watched this service online. Thank God for that. I just got an email just now from a lady in China who's teaching English as a second language, watching our services online. Welcome to, from China to the bridge in Princeton, North Carolina. So glad you guys are here today. Amen. And so you can get those messages, you can read them, download them, take care of them. You can go to the app right now and pick up all of the notes and all the scriptures and all the points that I'll be sharing with you today as we wrap this up. Next week, of course, is... Mama's Day, we'll be here honoring the moms among us, both the biological moms, the spiritual moms, the adoptive moms. We're going to be honoring moms. Mom, you to bomb, come be a part of Mother's Day. And we're kicking off a whole new series we're, we're simply calling Family Matters. And we're going to be talking about every stage in the family's life throughout all of the seasons. And I hope you'll plan to be a part of the Family Matters series that runs really from Mother's Day to, to Father's Day. But today, we're wrapping up this series. And we're wrapping it up with, with what is one of my favorite images in all of Scripture. It's from the Song of Solomon. Uh, and it's the picture of Christ and his bride. Of course, the church is the bride of Christ, according to Scripture. And it's this image of Christ and his bride deeply in love. Chapter 2 of Song of Solomon kind of describes that love relationship in a lot of ways. But I want us to focus in on verse 6. So it'll be on the screen. It's in the app if you want to follow along. Maybe you brought a Bible. I've given it to you in the New King James Version. Let's read it together. But as we do, I want you to picture it, okay? Try to imagine it. I'll describe it, but I want you to get it in your head. Here we go. One, two, three, go. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. Here's the image. The, the, the groom, in this case Christ, is holding his bride in a loving embrace. His left hand is under her head, and his right hand is embracing her. You get that image, right? And everybody loves to see that kind of imagery when it comes to a husband and a wife. They're so desperately in love with each other. They're gazing into each other's eyes, and there's this warm, tender embrace, and we love that embrace when it comes because, the, you know, the, we get the goosebumps and the cold chills and the hair stands up in the back of our necks, and, and it's just that's a wonderful thing. But here's what I want you to hear. We are not talking about the right hand of Christ today. We're talking about the left hand. We're talking about that hand that sustains us. We're talking about that hand that holds us up. Now, let me tell you a couple of quick things about the left hand of God uh, before we get into the details of it. One of them is that it, that it is the sustaining power of God that if you aren't really, really intentional about, you will forget exists. Kind of like you forget that the sun comes up every morning and has so for centuries. 
kind of like you forget that the flowers are going to bloom in the spring. It just, that's the way it works. That is the consistent, sustaining, dependable grace of God that's operate in our lives all the time. Now, here's what I want you to hear. We all love the right hand of God. We love the power of God's presence. When we sing a song like Revelation's song and we feel like we can be transformed right now, we love those goosebumps. We love that sense of his power. We love it when somebody uh, gets prayed for and, and is healed and, and God's still in the healing kind of business. We love when we hear his voice and his voice gives us direction and we get answers to questions about which way to go in life. We love the right hand of God when he shows up in those powerful kinds of ways. But here's what I want you to hear. If you want to hear anything else I say, hear this. You cannot experience the right hand of God unless you trust the left hand of God. You see, it is resting, relaxing, depending on believing in the right hand of God that puts you in position for the right hand of God. It is in trusting that he's there and that he cares and that his word is true whether you feel anything or not that puts you in position for the feelings, the oceans of emotions that we all love to experience. Can I get an amen in this house? And so what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes this morning is the understanding that the left hand of God is just as powerful, it's just as vital to our lives as the right hand of God, though we may not even notice it, and I want to help you to understand how you can lean into that. I'm talking about those times when he helped you to overcome temptation, when you thought it was going to overwhelm you. I'm talking about those times when, when, uh, when the left hand of God kept you going, when you didn't think you could put one foot in front of the other. You just somehow you kept going. I'm talking about the times when trouble came into your life. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. And, and when trouble came and the world seemed to be collapsing all around you, and yet somehow you, you were able to keep your head above water. I'm talking about when you didn't feel a thing. You just knew the truth. I'm talking about the left hand of God. Here's how Jesus described life with his left hand uh, in place. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Learn to trust my sustaining grace and you'll find the freedom that you seek. I want to teach you how. Very quickly, I want to help you to understand how. But first, I do want to lean into those three vital areas that we need sustaining grace because I sense that some of you sitting here today or watching online need that sustaining grace. You need to learn to trust. You need to make a commitment to trust sustaining grace in one of those three vital areas of our lives. So let's walk through those three first, and then we'll get into the how-tos, okay? First of all, the sustaining grace of God helps me to overcome when I'm tempted. It helps me to overcome when I'm tempted. Say it with me. Overcome when I'm tempted. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, watch out for attacks from the devil. 
your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour. Take a firm stand against him and be strong in your, in your own strength, in your own willpower, in your faith. Trust the left hand of God. Trust the sustaining grace of God when those attacks came. Now, there's a key word in there. I, I, I highlighted it for you. What's the key word in that, in that whole verse? He prowls around like a prowler. He ain't, he's a toothless lion, okay? You're going to be afraid of him. He's got no authority over your life. You've given your life to Jesus Christ. Then you ain't got nothing to worry about. But he is. Don't be afraid. I mean, but be aware that he is like a prowling lion looking for someone to devour. So let me just be clear about this thing. From the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, the battle begins. Satan's not going to let go easy. He can't get at God, so the second best thing he can do is to go after his kids. And so the battle begins. So don't be surprised when every day of your life you are faced with the decision whether to do the right thing or the easy thing. Isn't it amazing how the easy thing never seems to be the right thing? <laughs> you know? Whether to do the selfish thing or the unselfish thing. Don't be surprised when thoughts of, of bad stuff, selfish stuff, the Bible calls temptation. Don't be surprised when they come because, guys, there's never a point in your life when you're going to outgrow temptation. I don't care how spiritual you are. There's never a point. Now, there are different stages in life and different temptations at different stages in life. When I first came to Jesus, 40, none of your business years ago, um, I had a horrible habit of cussing. I mean, I could cuss. I, you want to hear it, right? You're not going <laughs> to. I could make up cuss words, and people thought they were cuss words. I mean, I just, I could do it, buddy. I could lay it on thick. And the minute I got saved, I said, I'm done with that. I fell off the wagon a few times after that. But, uh, but eventually, I conquered that demon in my heart, and, and, and it just, it's not been an issue in my life in decades. In fact, Kim will tell you, uh, when we were growing up with our boys, we had a rule in our house. Uh, if you hear me say the word, you can use the word. If you don't hear me say it, I don't want to hear you say it. That was just the rule in our house. We didn't necessarily apply that to their mom, but, you know, we had that rule. I'm kidding, Kim. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's just an easy joke that I'll pay for later, okay? Hear me. That's, that's, that battle has not been an issue for me for decades, but I got new ones now, which are none of your business, okay? The, 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 the reality is Satan never uh, stops. He never lets go. Temptations change, but the battle continues. So you need to know a couple of things. There are two lies that Satan loves to tell us when we find ourselves in that temptation kind of battle. First of all, and I've heard this over and over and over again, you've probably, if you're honest with yourself, have used them yourselves. First of all, first lie, it's okay because my circumstance is unique. You, you understand what I'm going through. You, you don't understand my set of circumstances, so it's okay in my case. That's the first lie he tells us. We're, this is, nobody else has ever been through this. Nobody will understand. It's unique. The second thing that I've heard, the second lie that Satan tells over and over again, is I couldn't help it. There was no way to avoid it. I need you to understand both of those things are lies. 
They're lies straight out of the pit of hell. Now let me tell you what the truth is. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I like the way the message paraphrases it. Let's break it down together, okay? No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. What does that say to you about the first lie? It's a lie. I don't care what you're going through. I'm going to care, but irrelevant, but it's irrelevant in terms of this idea. I'm the only one that's ever been there. You know what Satan's doing when he tells you that lie? He's trying to get you to isolate yourself from the very people who will help you. Because whatever experience you're having is common to man. I've been through it. You've been through it. All God should have been through it. So the first time Satan says to you, well, you know, under your set of circumstances, you know, have you ever noticed the amazing capacity that human beings have for rationalizing things? We can rationalize almost anything. But you understand what you're doing when you do that? You are telling yourself rational lies. And I told you last week, behind every self-defeating behavior is a self-deceiving lie that we're telling ourselves understand the minute satan says nobody will understand you can't talk to anybody about this your situation is completely unique say it with me it's a lie second truth all you need to remember is that god will never let you down he'll never let you be pushed past your limit he'll always be there to help you come through it and so when satan says you couldn't help it there's nothing you can do to help it Yeah, there is. He made a way of escape. You might not have been looking for it, or you might have decided not to take it when it came, but he made a way of escape. Pastor Jack Hayford, who's one of the spiritual giants of my dad's generation uh, and has been a hero of mine for many decades, tells the story from his young life as a young pastor. <clears throat> and uh, frankly, when he told the story, it blew me away that he would be that transparent about his life. But he's a young pastor. He's pastoring church on the way in California, and, and, and he needed to interview secretaries. Uh, and so he has a, a series of, of ladies came in applying for the secretarial role. And there was one particular lady that came into his office, sat down across from him, and he said, while he's talking to her about her skills and qualifications and about the job description, that sort of thing, he said, uh, the thought crossed my mind. It was just kind of a fleeting thought that went through my mind, boy, she's attractive. The minute I thought that, I went, oh, man, I'm not true. I'm pulling that. I'm taking that thought captive. I'm getting back to the conversation. Well, a few seconds later, he's continuing the conversation, and the thought came back in his mind again. Boy, she is really attractive. And he said, this is how we put it. He said, this time I went, I'm not going to let that hold. I, I take that thought captive. Went back to it. Third time it came back, and this time it was, I'm not going to hold oh I'm not going to hold on to that. The fourth time it came back it went and he ended the interview and he picked up the phone and he called one of his elders and he said I need you here now. The elder came into the office as soon as he could get free and get there. He said, I need to tell you what just happened. I need you to pray for me to purge my mind of those thoughts. And I know you, need you to hold me accountable to never be alone in the room with that lady again. Why? Because he knew there was a way of escape from the potential failure, and he took it. As scary as it is to think that he would come on. Yeah, absolutely. As scary as it might be to say, you know, I'm not going to admit 
my struggles. I'm not going to admit my temptations. Somebody might use it against me, as scary as it might be. Understand that that's often God's way of giving you a, a way of escape, is to say, brother, I need to talk to you about something. Man, I'm really struggling here. I need you to pray with me. I need you to hold me accountable. I, I need to send an email to your house automatically of every website I ever see so that I'm not tempted to look at websites I don't know what looking at. Come on. You know, we, we find the way of escape is often in relationship with one another, but the bottom line is God's sustaining grace will give you that way of escape. He will help you to avoid that trans, trans, uh, temptation if you trust him. Number two, <coughs> sustaining grace helps me to keep going when I'm tired. Anybody agree with me life can be exhausting sometimes? Just... I mean, just keeping up with the schedule, keeping up with the stuff, keeping, you know, job and, and kids and sports and church and you know, hobby and fit in a game of golf now and then or something. Or that. I mean, I, it, it, it's just tough. I mean, it's just, that's the reality of living in the 21st century. We got all these technical tools supposed to increase our productivity and make our lives easier. Ha! All it does is ensure that we never disconnect. We're on 24-7. Well, here's the question. We all understand how tiring our schedules can be, but why is doing the right thing so tiring? It is, you know. I think for some of you, it's because you're the only one at work or at school that's trying. And it can be exhausting to make a decision that I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to live a Christian lifestyle. Uh, I'm going to go against the flow. I'm going to be the salmon swimming upstream in the midst of a world where everybody's going to make fun of me if I do, it's tough. It's tough to be the only one that walks away when the dirty jokes start. It's tiring. It's exhausting. It's tough to maintain integrity when the boss wants to cut a legal corner, an ethical corner, in order to make a buck, and you want to go, I just can't do that. It's tough. It's exhausting when we find ourselves in those things. And, and that's for some of you, for all of us. I mean, just the workday alone can be exhausting. So we, on the way home, stop at the store, and the clerk is a little bit of a jerk. And, you know, we don't want to be nice to that clerk. We want to unload on him. You, say, you think you're having a bad day? Let me tell you what's been going on in my life, right? Or, or the guy on the road cuts you off, and you want to tell him he's number one. Everything in you wants to tell him he's number one. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was driving in traffic. Uh, in uh, Hampton Roads, Virginia one time, and, uh, and you don't want to get near the tunnels at rush hour. You just don't want to do that. And so one day I got caught there, couldn't help it. There I am. And it's pull up and stop, pull up and stop forever. And, and while we're in this pull up and stop kind of traffic, there's some guy behind me blowing his horn. And I'm going, oh man, we're all stuck in this traffic. Blowing your horn's not going to help. And it's, it's just, come on, man. You know, just kind of trying to stay calm and turn on Caleb. I'm listening to some praise music, you know, and just kind of chilling out there in the car. And, 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 but this guy just keeps blowing the horn and blowing the horn. And by the time, and, and then I realize his lane's moving a little bit faster than mine, and, and he's come inching up. And I know that eventually, if this trend continues, he's going to end up right beside me, and I'm going to be tempted to uh, send him a signal. You know, I'm going to be tempted to say, 
should be doing that. And so I'm thinking, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. I'm exhausted with this thing. I've got the energy to resist. And, and so he pulls up beside me, and he finally does, in fact, get up beside me. And he lays on the horn big time, and I look over, and it's, uh, and he goes, hey, Pastor Jim, how you doing? Good to see you, man. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, good. good. see you, dude, yeah. Life can be exhausting sometimes. And it's hard to be who you've committed to be when you're tired. Can I get an amen in the house? When you get home from a hard day's work and the family needs you to engage, and all you want to do is get in your recliner or lay down on the couch or something, but there's dinner and homework and baths and stuff that has to be done. Where do you get the energy to do the right thing? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 2 from the New Living Translation, it is God who gives us the ability to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Do you see what that says? It says that the key to having the energy to do the right thing is to trust the Holy Spirit that he had placed in your heart when you committed your life to Jesus Christ. In other words, trust the left hand of God. Trust that he will sustain you. He will carry you through this. Can I, can I tell you that it's one of the reasons that I felt so strongly that, that even in my first year as your pastor that I wanted to teach you this series? Because I see people coming uh, from, from all kinds of church backgrounds who want to serve the Lord, but they are exhausted with it. Um. And in many cases, it's because they're trying so hard. They're trying to live the Christian life. They're trying to be like Jesus. They're trying to be good. They're trying to keep the Ten Commandments. They're trying to be a person of integrity. They're trying to be loving. They're trying to be kind. And it's exhausting. Jim, it's so hard to live the Christian life today. No, it's not hard. It's impossible in your own strength. Since when did this thing become about willpower. This is about Holy Spirit power. This is about the Spirit of God operating in our lives. This is about learning to trust that the left hand of God is there no matter what the circumstances of our lives are, and I can depend on Him. I don't have to try. I just have to trust and depend on Him. What am I saying? I'm not saying it's okay to do anything you want to do anytime you want to do it. I'm saying Instead of trying to be like Jesus, let Jesus be Jesus in you. Just let him live through you. It's not a matter of psyching yourself up, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's about focusing on him and relaxing in him and trusting that he will bring you through the temptations that need to be overcome and he will bring you through with the energy that you need to do what God has called you to do. The Bible's filled with examples. I don't have time. We could do a whole series on this trusting versus trying thing. I've done series like that in the past. Um, so many examples in Scripture. One of my favorites, of course, is Noah who built the ark. And, and, and you talk about exhausted. God told him to build a boat in the middle of the desert and 119 years later there still had never been any rain. You think you'd have been worn out? You think you'd have been exhausted? You think you'd have been going, mm, maybe I didn't hear from God at all. How did God, Noah stay on track for 120 years when there was no evidence, physical evidence, 
that he'd actually heard from God. Genesis 6, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And you can too. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, maybe your verse of the day. Let's read it together. I want you to hear yourself reading it. Here we go. God is working in you to help you want to do and be able to do what pleases him. Want to do and be able to do what pleases him. The Christian life is not a matter of willpower. It's a matter of Holy Spirit power who, first of all, will give you the desire to be who he's called you to be, and then he will give you the strength to do it. So some of you need to start there. Lord, I'm not even sure I want to do the right thing here. Would you give me the desire to want to do the right thing? Other of you say, I really, really, really want to please God. I want to do the right thing in my marriage. I want to do the right thing in my finances. I want to do the right thing with my kids. I want to do the right thing at work. I just don't know if I have what it takes to do it. Well, he's there for you in that one too. He will give you the desire and he will give you the power. It's called grace. So when God says you need energy to live out life, I will give it to you. I will give you the want to, and I will give you the ability. Whether you're tempted, whether you're tired, number three, sustaining grace helps me to keep my head above water when I'm facing trouble. Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. Don't be surprised. When trouble comes, this is earth, it's not heaven. We aren't there yet, okay? And we're still living in a sin-cursed world, and he's still the prince of the power of the air. He has no authority over you, but he has authority over the circumstances that surround you quite often, and, and, and difficulties will come. That's a reality, okay? Truth is, we all face troubles. Can I get an amen? We face troubles that blow us off course sometimes. We fight to stay on, uh, but it's all we can do to hold on. We face troubles that weigh us down and, and zap our joy, and sometimes we face troubles that just pull the rug out from under us taken totally by surprise by them. Pastor Andy prayed for the Lee family this morning. Our hearts go out to them. Having lost little Kimberly Lee, 21 years old, in a car accident this week, our hearts break for them. Uh, and the rugs just pulled completely out from under us. them. You know, many of you part of the Bridge family know the journey that Kim and I have been on since October when our older son Andrew went to heaven suddenly with cardiac arrest. Um, Tuesday's his birthday. He was born on Mother's Day 41 years ago. It's going to be a hard week. It's going to be a hard week. But here's what I know. The sustaining grace of God will bring us through. How do I know? Come on. How do I know when I don't necessarily feel that? Because I know. Because I know who he is. Because I know what his word says. Kim and I have had this conversation. We've had these prayers together. She knew I was going to be sharing this with you today. And we've shared this reality that we know what the word says. Whether we feel it or not is irrelevant. Oh, we want to feel the right hand of God. We want to have that joy bubble up in our hearts again. And we trust that in God's timing it will. But right now we're just operating in the sustaining grace of God, as I know the Lee family is. And some of you know exactly what, 
we're talking about you've been down this road with troubles in your life as well. Hear me, troubles may knock you around, but they don't have to knock you out when you trust the left hand of God. Isaiah 41.10, so don't worry because I'm with you. Don't be afraid because I am your God. I will make you strong and will help you. I will support you with my right hand that saves you. What, what, uh, I thought it was the left hand. Come on. But you, said, you said God's left hand represents sustaining grace. What, this says his right hand is going to support us. Well, you think that's something. Look at this one. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Here's the point. Don't get wrapped around the axle with a metaphor. <laughs> Left hand, right hand, big hug. The bottom line is God's grace will sustain you if you learn to trust him. Truth is you don't have to be overcome by temptation and you don't have to give up when you're tired. You don't have to let the troubles of this world overwhelm you. You can rise above them. In fact, they can become a stepping stone to blessing. Isaiah 43, 2 is your verse. If that's where you are right now, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you cross rivers, you will not drown. Let those words resonate in your mind, resonate in your heart. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor will the flames hurt you. God's sustaining grace will bring you through. It'll help you to overcome temptation. It'll help you to keep going when you're exhausted. And yes, it will keep your head above water when it's all you can do to put one foot in front of the other and breathe one more breath. question is how. How do you get there? How, how, how do you walk in God's sustaining grace? How do you do life this way, trusting <coughs> that left hand of God? I think there are three things that are powerful. I think they are equal. I think they're really important. Uh, and so, uh, again, I've seen people pick two out of three. I've seen them pick one out of three and then complain later that sustaining grace didn't get us through. Okay? This is, this is not a best of three. This is three of three. Got it? Got it? Your head's like this if you got it. You don't want to talk to me. You shake your head at me, okay? This is three of three. First thing you got to do if you want sustaining grace is you got to call on God for help. You got to call out for God's help. We live in a culture that celebrates self-reliance. I am a rock. I am an island because I'm a woman. <laughs> no, I'm not. I promise I'm not. I but that's, that's the world we live in, right? This idea that, that you should pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, build a bridge, get over it, you got this, right? But hear me, as long as you pretend to be self-sufficient, that's the amount of power you get to deal with whatever life is throwing at you. That's what you get. Because God is a gentleman, he will not force himself on you. He will say, I'm here, call me, I'll help you. You'll say, ah, I'm here, hey, I'm here. He'll send people to encourage you every now and then to say, you know, God loves you and he wants to help you. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. It's God saying, hey, I'm here. 
You've got to call on him for help in order to get his help. So when you're tempted or tired or troubled, pray. And I mean pray David in the Psalms kind of prayers. Prayers like, God, I ain't got this. God, I don't get this. God, I don't like this. God, I don't understand this. God, I don't want this. God, I don't know what to do, and I don't know if I got the energy to do what I got to do, even if I knew what to do. I mean, just be honest with him. I'm trusting you to give me the desire and the power to keep going. I'm depending on you. Now, here's what the Bible says, James chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, God gives strength to the humble but sets himself up against the proud and haughty. So give yourselves humbly to God. When you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. You understand what that says? It says that when you call on him for help, humbly acknowledging that you can't do it in your own power, you need his. He joins your team. But as long as you decide to be self-reliant, he's actually working against you. You got that, right? He sets himself up against the proud. Does that mean he doesn't love you? No, it, it means that he doesn't want you to rely on an unreliable source. He wants you to rely on, rely on him. And so when you come to him in humility, he says, that's all I needed. I just wanted you to come. I just wanted you to ask. Here we go. So when you pray, pray earnestly, pray sincerely, pray consistently, pray humbly in faith, and God will give you his sustaining grace. If you do three of three, not just one of three, Number two is fill your mind with God's Word. Fill your mind with God's Word. One of the most important things you can do to combat the rational lies that the world, the culture, and our enemy tells us is to fill your head and heart with the truth. You've got to spend time in the owner's manual, in the book. You've got to know what the book says. You can't just sit around waiting for the movie to come out. You've got to get into it and read the book. Psalm 19, 8 and 9, the revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right hand. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy with a lifetime guarantee. Let God's words strengthen you in the temptations, troubles, and 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 fatigues of this world by combating the lies that are pulling you down. The Word of God is the only source of truth that stood the test of time across the centuries. So read it. I mean it. Read it. Get, get a modern translation. Get, a, get the North Carolina version or something. I mean, just get the message, but just read. And when you start reading something, you don't understand it, just keep going. Just read. The Bible says it's the only book on the planet that you get a blessing just by reading it. Just, you just read it and you get a blessing. But what happens is those truths begin to sink into your heart. They begin to sink into your mind when you don't even realize that you're getting them. And then when you find yourself tempted or tired or in trouble, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance those things that you remembered, but you have to remember it before you can remember it. Does that make sense? So you spend time reading the book. Just, just get it, read it over and over, walk it through. Why do you need to do that? Because we are filling our minds day by day by day with junk. Hello? 
I mean, every movie, every TV show, every talk show, every novel that's out there is full of junk, even the good ones. I mean, I'm a big Star Wars fan, loved all the Star Wars movies. I, you know, I, I watch them all multiple times. I love that kind of stuff. I'll be honest with you, if I heard Friday, may the fourth be with you one more time, I was going to throw up. <laughs> you too? Yeah. May the fourth be with you. <laughs> Can we have May 5th, please? Can we do Cinco de Mayo or something? Come on, let's move on. But even as awesome a movie as that is, and some of you think I don't even get why that movie's good, but as good as it is, there's still junk. It's not a Christian metaphor movie. When the great theologian Obi-Wan Kenobi said to Luke, the answers are within you, Luke. Look inside yourself. That was a prompt for you to go, Because the answers are not inside you unless you put them inside you. Garbage in, garbage out, right? There's an old story from, from the mission field of, two, uh, of, of a missionary talking to a village elder one time and talking to him about, <coughs> about good and bad and right and wrong and, and moral codes and that kind of stuff. And, and, and this elder described to the missionary that, uh, that, that there were two dogs inside of every person. There was a good dog and a bad dog. And sometimes the good dog won and sometimes the bad dog won. And the missionary said, well, how do you determine which dog is going to win? And, and, and the, the elder said without a blink, he said, well, it depends on which dog you feed. And so who are you feeding? If you watch six hours of TV and read six minutes of Bible, who, who are you feeding? Right, please hear me. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to say I want you operating with sustaining grace in your life, and the key to it is call on God's help, but an equal key is that you fill your heart, your mind with God's Word so that when you don't have the feelings, you've got the Word to depend on. You know what the truth is is. And then the third one, did, did I mention this is three out of three? The third one is get support from God's people. Get support from God's people. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, by helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. Not the suggestion of Christ, not the good idea of Christ, but the law of Christ. Hear me, guys. There is no such thing in the Bible as a Lone Ranger Christian. Me and Jesus got a good thing going. I'm sorry, that's not Bible. It isn't. Doesn't matter how strong you are, how spiritual you are, how prayerful you are, how much time you spend in the Word, we need each other. Say it with me. We need each other. And I got to be honest with you, this is, this is huge. I want you to hear me. I, and, and if you trust me, many of you have said awesome things to me, encouraging things to me about being your pastor. If you trust me, you're beginning to trust me as your pastor. Hear these words. You cannot build the level of relationships that you need for the support and accountability that's essential for you to trust grace in our lobby on Sunday mornings. You can't do it. And you can't build the level of relationship that you need with Andy, who comes out and gives a greeting and praise on Sunday morning, or Jim, who spends 30, 40, none of your business minutes preaching. I just, it takes more than that, guys. It takes real intense commitment to one another, strong relationships, 
And can I tell you, please, I beg you, don't wait till the temptation is almost overwhelming or the trouble is more than you can handle to start building those relationships. Build them when you're doing well so that when they come, you've got a group of people around you. And that's why we're putting so much emphasis on small groups these days. May 16th, next Wednesday night, we're gathering here. We're going to talk about small groups. We're going to whole new strategies, whole new systems, whole new processes to make sure we got small groups so that you've got a group of people around you who are committed to you and you to them, and you're being loved while you love, and you're being served while you serve. You're being celebrated while you celebrate, and you're being supported while you provide support. That's huge, guys, and I beg you, make an effort to be here Wednesday night, May 16th, and let's learn about that and the information gathering. Here's the bottom line. If you want the left hand of God to help you overcome temptation, keep strong when you feel drained, keep your head above water when the floods come. If you want to be in a position to experience the right hand of God, you've got to call on Him for help. You've got to fill your heart and mind with His Word, and you've got to get support from God's people. They beg you not to try to shortchange that process and say, I got this, I'm good, because we all need this. The good news is when you do that, here's what you can expect, Isaiah 40, 29 to 31, it gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow up uh, tired and weary, and young men uh, stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, those who trust the left hand of God, can I insert that there? will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You see the key words, right? <laughs> Some of you right now are soaring. Everything in life is clicking for you, and you're saying, man, favor isn't fair. I'm just walking in the blessings of God. Well, guess how you're doing that? It's the grace of God that's taking you there. Some of you may not be there, but things are going okay, and you're managing, and you're going well, and you're saying, man, it's, you know, life's pretty good. I got a little problem here, a little there, but I'm okay. Uh, some temptations, but, but God's helping me through those things. I'm doing okay. Guess who's helping you to run? And some of you, truth be known, are barely able to put one foot in front of the other and keep walking. You know what the Bible says? No matter where you are in that journey, if you trust the left hand of God, he will sustain you. Let him. Because you can't experience the right hand unless you trust the left. And if that's where you are, here's your verse. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished. Trust the sustaining grace. Call it the left hand, the right hand, the hug, whatever you want to call it, but trust the sustaining grace of God, whether you feel like it or not, and watch God bring you through. Can we pray that prayer together? Bow your heads with me. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to keep you. <coughs> Father, thank, <clears throat> thank you for grace. Thank you for rescuing grace and restoring grace and transforming grace. Grace that helps us overcome condemnation. Thank you for grace. 
But in this moment, Lord, thank you for sustaining grace that we don't see or feel. But man, if we didn't have it, we'd know it. Help us to trust that just as you brought the sun up every morning and you brought the rain in the spring and you brought the flowers and gardens, your left hand is there supporting us and sustaining us. Help us to embrace grace today. Keep your heads bowed for just a minute. The, el- the altars will be open. But I do want you to pray a simple prayer with me. Would you do that? Lord, I need grace. Yeah, I need rescuing grace and restoring grace and need to grow in grace. But today, Lord, I'm asking you for sustaining grace. Carry me through whatever I face in life with a quiet confidence that though I don't know how, you are. And I will look back one day and say, wow, look what God did. Thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name.